stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by David Boren, Zach's stock strategist, and he's the editor of the Marijuana Innovator Portfolio here at Zach's. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. And we've had him on before to talk about what was going on with the pot stocks, basically. And so I've asked him to come back on to talk a little bit about that and just what it's like to invest in an emerging industry, because that's basically what the pot stocks are. Sure. And how difficult that is. And it took me back, like while I was making some notes for this podcast, about the late 1990s. And during the dot-com boom, there were a lot of these companies that were trying to to emerge into these new industries, both on the internet and also in online. And that's when we got, you know, Amazon emerged, obviously. But there was this company, and you probably would remember this. It's going to date me a lot to, to talk about it. But there was this company called Webvan that delivered your groceries. And at the time, it was everybody was into it. Like, yeah, this is the future. And they opened up basically distribution warehouses and all of that. And then they could not survive. They went under. And then there was another company called Pets.com, which I still love that sock puppet because pets can't drive. That's still their logo. I, it's It worked on me. And they had the super good ads that they ran during the Super Bowl. And um, everybody's like, yes, of course, Pets.com. I want my pet food delivered and all of that. And But they could not survive either. And they actually did trade as a public company for a while. I think Webvan might have too. And so, but those ideas didn't really die because Webvan kind of uh, other companies took up the mantle of what they did. And now we even have Amazon itself delivering grocery stores through Whole Foods and other other methods. And then Pets.com, I was like, hmm. This sounds familiar to me, too. I know there's another company that just went public right now that's also doing the food pet delivery stuff, and they've expanded the business quite a bit, it seems. But Chewy.com, um, the ticker there is C-H-W-Y, is now basically pets.com of today. So, But it's been like 20 years in between there while you were waiting for these, you know, basically emerging kind of businesses to emerge then they, you know, have had their ups and downs. And so this kind of reminds me of, like I said earlier, of what's happening in the in the marijuana industry and that there are going to be these, you know, ups and downs through these businesses because it's going to take a while for things to shake out. How do you view what's going on in, in marijuana right now? Uh, that's actually a great analogy to the dot-com boom and bust yeah. of... Uh, 99 and then 2001, uh, everything kind of fell out the bottom. Right. Uh, and I think this is very similar. And so you said ups and downs, and that's even a bit of an understatement. It's really more boom and bust. Okay. Uh, so there Uh-oh. was a, a period. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I looked at some of the charts going into this now because I haven't looked in a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, when I was like writing down how much, like year to date, down 50%. Right. And we're like, yeah. No, it's serious. Uh, and I so coming into this year, there was definitely a boom going on, and basically yeah. anything that w- any company that was involved in the cannabis industry, uh, or even had a, you know a, a cannabis name, just like having a dot com in 1999, uh, was a ticket to huge investor enthusiasm. Everyone yeah. bought things relatively indiscriminately um, because it was an exciting new industry, and then 
the bottom fell out and there was a big bust. And the things like Pets.com, which is probably the most famous one, the biggest example of a a boom and bust in a single name, um, got flushed out. But there's, there are Amazons out there in the marijuana industry. Uh, when things shake out, there are definitely be companies who take over the entire market. Okay. And there's going to be new companies. Chewy's a great example. I knew where you are going with that the second you talked about yeah. Pets.com. <laughs> um, they're going to take over the, the same spots and just do it better. Learn lessons right. from, from other people and do it better. Um, so it's it's been a, a definitely a rough year. I was I think I was here last time in February, yeah, uh, which marked a real turning point in the market. So I'm hoping I'm marking another turning point here because it's been, been pretty rough since then. <laughs> um, and yeah, a lot of things are down. I mean, some stocks are down. The the big stocks are down 50 percent or more, and some of the little stocks have already been basically obliterated. Okay, um, they're they're down 90 percent. So would you say that this could be a buying opportunity then in some of these names? I think it's absolutely a buying opportunity. Okay. Uh, and so does a new fund that's being uh, that's been founded by some former bankers from Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan, who are raising two billion dollars wow. specifically for the purpose of buying bottomed-out bot stocks. Okay. Uh, they see the opportunity right here. Uh, the name of the fund is Silver Spike. That's uh, I believe it's incorporated in Canada because of the uh, uh, investment restrictions in the United States. Right. Um, but they're basically going looking for uh, opportunities to pick up steep discounts on, on marijuana stocks uh, and put together mergers and acquisitions so they can combine the, the functions of companies that are now available at low prices uh, into leaner, more efficient opportunities. Okay. Now, what do you think about the different areas of in the pot industry? I know that investors were really into the growers originally, and those are like the Aurora Cannabis canopy growth, Tilray, they're like all into the people who are growing it. Is is that still the case? Those have been hit really hard, it seems. And so what do you think about the, the growers in particular? Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, the way that you produce that plant is to grow it. So there's always going to yeah. be a, a, an industry in growing the cannabis plant. Uh, the growers have been hit by a, a bunch of things. First of which, they were really the only pure play companies available on U.S. exchanges. So if you wanted to buy a marijuana company on the NYSE or the NASDAQ, uh, it was probably going to be a grower. Yeah. Um, all the retailers uh, in the United States are prohibited from listing on those exchanges. So there's these multi-state operator retailers who have really big operations uh, and in many cases very impressive management and expansion plans, but you can't buy those stocks. So the growers were the, the beneficiary of the boom, uh, and that also means they're getting hit hardest in the bust. Yeah, I saw that Aurora is now down 59.8% over the last year. But it does look like they might become profitable by fiscal 2021, like next fiscal year. Sure. So that's encouraging. Absolutely. And I think that uh, the profitability thing is, uh, I mean, obviously a a business. Well, a business has to be profitable eventually. Right. But these stocks, uh, Canopy Growth, for instance, when Bruce Linton was still the CEO, he knew that he could be profitable essentially immediately. He could pick a quarter and be profitable simply by selling dried flower products uh, and not expanding into any other markets, not buying any technology, not developing any new businesses. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to build a much bigger business. Okay. And so it, it, there's essentially a choice. There, there's a, it's obviously a big market for cannabis. Yeah. Uh, and so if you decide you're just going to grow, distribute, and sell cannabis, you can be a profitable business. A lot of money is still being made despite the depressed stock prices. But these right. companies are the same way that the internet companies were. Uh, they're they're looking for uh, to to produce much bigger conglomerates uh, than simply a, a marijuana selling business. 
Now, where does that stand? I know when I had you on the last time, we were talking about the upcoming change in the regulations in Canada where you could add it into the food products. Sure. Isn't that isn't that soon? Isn't that happening now? I think it officially happens on October 17th. It's okay, so it is October. Okay. The products won't be available until December. Okay. Uh, so there's a pretty lengthy approval process, uh, packaging process and the like. The yes. packaging regulations remain uh, a little bit restrictive okay. uh, in terms of how much you can put in a package. So that they, the producers are complaining that the packaging is overly restrictive and that it reduces dosage to like 10 milligrams per package which means that each individual dose has to be individually wrapped in a child-proof package. So it's a a little bit of a waste. It's been hard for them. But there are going to be edible products and vape products available in Canada by December. Okay, so imminently. Do you think that will change a lot of the businesses up there? Or is this kind of false hope too? Uh, yes, I do, but okay. I'm a little more, more cautious about it than I was even just a few months ago because of the vaping thing. Okay. So my belief had been, uh, that people were going to essentially stop smoking marijuana, that if someone wanted to ingest THC or CBD, they would do it by eating it or vaping it. Okay. Uh, and I still believe that except now with, uh, how dangerous vaping appears to be a lot of people sick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I think we're up to 16 or 17 people who have actually died from these vaping related diseases. Um, People are really gun-shy about vaping. Uh, so that's going to that's gonna halt at least a portion of the new sales that I was expecting because I think consumers, yeah. especially new consumers, uh, are going to hesitate before they buy a, a, buy a vape product. Are they still in Canada making the products like the gummy bears and things like that? Or are those considered to be too much like candy so they are banning that uh, kind of product? They'll still have candy and, and cookie okay. and baked goods and things like that. Okay. But the, the, they'll be wrapped. They won't look anything like the container for gummy bears. Okay. Because <laughs> I know that was an issue. Yeah. Okay. So um, what about the other thing we talked about last time? And that's like the hemp area. True. That is um, could be a growth opportunity down here in the United States now that the hemp and the CBD oils and all that stuff has has that been regulated anymore? I know the last time we talked, there was some concern that maybe the U.S. was going to start regulating more of the CBD. There's like basically there's CBD in almost every item I see now. I go mm-hmm. into like even just normal chain restaurants where I'm at like the Whole Foods and they're like, here's our CBD like right next to the checkout. And um I know we talked about there was a lot of concern that the U.S. government maybe was going to crack down a little bit more on like, you know, what kind of products this could go into. But since then, I haven't really heard much. I think CBD kind of took the FDA by surprise. Uh, the the speed with which so many products came to market. I had the exact same experience yesterday. I was buying a Gatorade on the way home from work and there was CBD on the counter in that wow. imp- impulse buy section. <laughs> uh, and because it's regulated as a supplement... Uh, it's, it essentially means it's not regulated by the FDA, yeah. except for the fact that the manufacturers can't make specific health claims about it. So they can't okay. say that it heals a certain thing or causes any sort of uh, physiological change in, in you. Um, so as long as you steer clear of that, you can put CBD in anything. Okay. Um, I know that it was going to be possibly a big beauty product like that will be put into like you know face creams or body creams and lotions and things like that could that be a way that investors should be on the lookout maybe to play this whole sure kind of uh this is totally my personal opinion but i kind of have my doubts about how effective it might be 
uh, when it's used topically. Okay. I think that that tends to be sort of... Uh, it's, <laughs> Darn. It's, it's an attractive idea. Oh, you rub this on your face and your wrinkles yes, go away. Yes, I thought that you... was going to be like my, you know, new new thing that I could use. Uh, I think even more exciting than the, the health and beauty aspect is um, for athletes, for athletic performance. So okay. a lot of athletes are using CBD, uh, professional athletes now. The sports leagues are sort of catching up with the idea that CBD is not a shouldn't is not on the banned substance list. hasn't been for two years. Uh, doesn't provide a performance advantage other than it aids in recovery, uh, it aids in mental clarity, and it aids athletes in sleep. Uh, so a lot of things that help them perform better uh, in a sort of training sort of way, but not specifically a performance enhancing drug. So uh, recently, Canopy Growth bought a company called BioSteel. Okay. Uh, which makes performance sports medicine performance enhancing supplements, uh, and their their biggest uh, endorsement is with Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. Uh, they also have a professional golfer, Brooke Henderson, uh, Wayne Gretzky, the ex hockey player. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're, it, it, that's potentially a, a much bigger growth area, I believe, because it's an orally ingested uh, form, and it does seem to have really significant aspects, uh, uh, positive aspects on the way athletes train. Okay. Uh, that could be interesting. Aurora Cannabis also recently partnered with the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship League. Uh, now, these are guys who train very hard uh, and also have a lot of pain. Obviously, it's a pretty brutal sport. Um, and so there's there's a lot of potential, I think, for big sport endorsements of CBD supplements, specifically for athletic training. Okay. Well, we'll be on the lookout for those then and, and listen in on their conference calls for some of these companies to see what the updates are on that area because that sounds really promising, actually. Now, what do you think about the ETF, the the alternative harvest one, the MJ? I noticed that that one da- is down 48% year-to-date, not surprising given what's going on with the components that are in it. Sure. But... Um, is that you know a way to get in, or is it um, not where investors should be going? Because I know that there's some like tobacco companies in it. There's some companies that aren't obviously the pure play. Sure. So they have a, a, a pretty wide variety. It's it's passively managed. So there's a, a marijuana index, okay. and they basically wow. own the marijuana index, the same as the SPY owns the S and P 500. Um, and that's fine. If you want a, a general way to uh, gain some exposure to the marijuana industry and you don't really feel like watching individual stocks, uh, yeah, the, the MJ ETF is just fine. Okay. My one problem with it is that in an industry that's developing really quickly, a passively managed index like that, does, it can't react to day-to-day to developments in individual companies. Right. And we've seen those this year. Absolutely. In a big way. Right. So, yeah, if something goes both either good or bad at these companies, yeah, they don't have the ability to to quickly get you either in or out. That's right. for sure. Right. Uh, yeah, we saw that with specifically with CanTrust this year. So it's a yeah. Canadian company that ran afoul of the regulators uh, and the stock was sinking. You could get out yourself at around $4 uh, on the day that the news came out and that stock's now trading well below $2. Wow, So And, okay. and a passive index can't can't do that. But anyway, yeah, yeah but it's it's not a terrible idea. If, if an individual investor says, hey, you know what, it looks like we're near the bottom and I just want to own uh, a little bit of the marijuana industry in my portfolio, the MJ ETF is just fine. What do you think is going to happen with the industry going forward here? Like, let's just say the short term into 2020. Short term into 2020 is really almost anybody's guess. 
Okay. Uh, and it's going to depend a lot on progress in on legalization in the U.S. Uh, we had a big breakthrough last month when the Safe Banking Act passed. Uh, well, it passed the House, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. And it's it's got a little bit of an uphill battle in the Senate. So the Safe Banking Act basically removes all possible penalties for financial institutions that do business with cannabis. Huh. Uh, so if you're a cannabis business right now, you're operating entirely in cash. It's very difficult to get any banking services. You can't take credit cards. Uh, you deal in cash for all of your expenses. It's, it's really a, yeah. a nightmare. Uh, and so the ability to get traditional banking services really just and, – and when I say traditional, I mean baseline checking accounts uh, so wow. that you could write payroll checks or checks to suppliers or checks to the IRS. Um, that's going to make a major difference. I don't know what's going to happen in the Senate. And obviously Capitol Hill has got their hands full with a lot of other things right now. So I, right. I don't believe there's a lot of incentive for anyone to take it up immediately. Okay. Do you think this could be an election issue, some of the marijuana issues, or is that still further – down the line. I think it's definitely an election issue. But again, there, there's so much turmoil right now yeah. uh, in Washington and between the two parties that I think it's probably going to be a relatively small issue. Okay. All of the Democratic, all the major Democratic candidates right now uh, endorse some sort of decriminalization or legalization. Um, so that's a, a, it's an issue for sure, but I'm not sure that it's really, uh, it's not really on anyone's okay. mind when, when there's so much else going on with the yeah. impeachment and the like. Okay. Um, what do you think about the marijuana drinks? I know those have been in the making for a while. Constellation Brands has that uh, agreement or partnership going. And are they any closer to actually making a drink that tastes decent? Yeah, that's really been the problem is they don't taste yeah. very good. Um, and another problem is that unlike an alcoholic beverage, when you drink a cannabis drink, you don't want another one. So if you, if you go buy a six-pack of beer, you tend to open the second beer. Yeah. Uh, whereas with a cannabis drink, it, it does not have that same sort of uh, avalanche effect of making you okay. want more. So I, I kind of have my doubts still about drinks. Okay. Uh, it's not out of the question, but it's not. I don't think it's really going to work the way that alcohol works. It's not the growth driver everybody thought, maybe. Exactly. It's also a lot – think about a, a drink versus a, a small amount of a, a candy or baked good. Uh, it takes a lot more energy to bottle it transport it and store it and sell it uh, versus a, a dry package good that just, you know, can light, sit there on light the easy shelf. and sits on the shelf. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What else do I need to know? Is there anything else lurking out there? Sure. So uh, one of the marijuana stocks that I'd really like to talk about is GW Pharmaceutical. Okay. Right? And it's funny because when I called it a marijuana stock, GW Pharmaceutical in their last investor presentation specifically asked not to be referred to as a marijuana stock. What's the ticker again? GWPH. Okay. So this is the first company that had a first and still only company to have a cannabis-based pharmaceutical approved by the FDA, uh, Epidiolex, uh, and it's been really hugely successful. Went on sale last December, uh, and each quarter they report they're selling more and more Epidiolex. More physicians are signing on, more patients. Uh, their last quarter they beat uh, beat earnings. $2.54 a share. They were predicted to earn one fifty four. Wow. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, estimates for fiscal year 2019 went from a, a loss of four forty six a share to a loss of just $0.56. Cents. Wow. And for 2020, went from profitability of $0.23 cents a share to profitability of two ninety a share. Wow. They also got approved for Epidiolex in Europe. This is all since the last report. Stock's down about 15 or 20% over that period. Really? Why? It's unbelievable. Because of their association with marijuana. That's oh. why they asked not to be associated. It's just like the, the dot-com thing wow. where at one point, if you, if you have marijuana in your business plan, 
everyone wants you, you're the yeah. darling. And then all of a sudden, if you have marijuana in your business plan, everyone's selling indiscriminately. Wow. So uh, these guys actually have a legit drug now that's working that people are using and the street is turning against them, kind yes, of. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So this is a buying opportunity. It's 100% a buying yeah. opportunity. Great, great company. Uh, two different marijuana drugs, uh, Sativex, which is only available outside the United States, Epidiolex, which is available in the United States and in Europe now or will be soon in Europe, has been approved and will start selling in a month or two, uh, and much more in the pipeline. So okay. yeah, I, th I think GW Pharma right now is uh, is a big buy, and it's really been it's the baby that got thrown out with the bathwater when people didn't like marijuana stocks. Yeah, I had no idea it was down that much. Now, are there other biopharmas that now that they're seeing the success that GW is having using this uh, component in some of their drugs? Are there others? Yes, uh, although research in the United States has been somewhat difficult still. Okay. Uh, Right now, still, the only place that you can get marijuana to do medical research in the United States is from the University of Mississippi. Uh, they, oh. they are the, the Why? single... Why is it down there? Uh, I don't I have no they're, idea they're how it started there, but Strong somehow... senator or something that got stuff yeah. pushed through, maybe. Uh, and medical researchers have complained that the quality of the oh. drugs that they get and the amount they're able to get and the amount of the hoops they have to jump through to get it uh, make mm -hmm. marijuana medical research here... Uh, really almost impossible. So GW is, is a British company uh, okay. and started their research in the United Kingdom. A, recently, the FDA, uh, I'm sorry, the DEA said that they would open up the process for suppliers who wanted to grow marijuana specifically for medical research. Uh, there's some doubts about how serious they really are about that. Okay. Uh, it may have been in response to the threat of a lawsuit from a lot of suppliers that thought they should be able to compete with this University of Mississippi supply. Um, and so it hasn't happened yet, but I believe there's, there could be significant more research, significantly more research soon in the U.S. Uh, is, is this an area that's exploding in Canada then, since it would be easier to do it up there? You know, I don't know for sure. I never I, hear I, anything. I don't hear anything either, and I don't think there are very many uh, – there's not a lot of medical research in Canada as compared to the United States okay. or, or Europe. That's too bad. Yeah. Okay. So we still have to wait a little bit longer, it sounds like. Yes. For some other companies. Okay. Well, that's that's an interesting play. That's a good one to know for those who don't want to just buy one of the growers that yeah. there are these alternatives. All right. Anything else that you want to add? Well, one more alternative that people that are following the industry probably know about uh, is in innovative industrial properties. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's a REIT. Uh, it's it's which my favorite. Works just like a regular REIT where they purchase real estate assets and lease them out. Uh, just like all REITs, they're required to return 90% of their pre-tax income to shareholders in the form of a dividend uh, in order to retain their tax advantage status. Uh, and IIPR is really the only firm and has massive first mover advantage in buying properties that are intended to cultivate marijuana and then leasing them back generally to the, the party that they bought from. So okay. if you're a, a grower, a producer, uh, you own a property and you need some money to expand. You can sell your property to IIPR and then lease it back from them. It's a great cash infusion for growers who want to yeah. make capital improvements, uh, improve distribution, et cetera. Uh, so it's, it's a win-win. And IIPR gets really attractive lease rates because they're very good at navigating the uh, local municipal state ordinances and get these facilities up and running quickly, whereas other real estate developers uh, and, and real estate rental companies don't have that knowledge and experience. 
Um, so they're growing. It's it's really it's it's a cash machine for them. Um, they pay. Uh, it's about a two and a half percent dividend right now. Okay, that's which not is, so bad. It's not terrible. No. It's, it's, there's REITs that pay more certainly. Yeah. Um, but it's not awful. And but it's it's the funds from operation. You you know that REITs the earnings don't matter nearly quite as much as the funds from operation. Right. The funds from operation are stellar. Okay. Uh, that dividend is safe and growing. And every time they raise cash, they buy more properties with it almost immediately and just turn it right back into money. So were they thrown out with the bathwater too? What's been happening to that stock? They haven't been. That's one that's actually held up fairly well. Okay. But even holding up fairly well uh, in a, a REIT market with interest rates falling is not really a win, right? Yeah. Re- REITs should be accelerating, right? That they're, yeah. the, the money that they, their yield is relatively stable. So as interest rates fall on other debt instruments, REITs should be rallying, not just holding their ground. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like it could be a buying opportunity in that one. I too. believe that one is as well. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I always enjoy having you on to get the update on this industry. And I know so many people really want to be investing in it. I mean, even despite what's been going on this year with the stocks, I still get questions at like family barbecues and everything Mm -hmm. about the pot stocks and like, which ones should they be buying? And it seems like most investors are kind of letting this, um, decline in the shares like roll off their backs they're not like panicked yeah no it's not panicking there, no. there's a significant uh short seller push okay uh which i believe actually could be good too short big short interest in growing industries uh can actually be a turbocharger for a rally when there's a short squeeze yeah so that doesn't bother me at all and the idea that people are raising real serious bankers raising big money um to go bottom fishing, yeah. to me, feels like a, a major change in sentiment. So I'm not going to go ahead and call a bottom because that's, okay. uh, that's a fool's game. But uh, <laughs> th- for me, the, the really, there's a significant change in sentiment. It's it's different. Okay. So you heard it here first. This could be the yes, bottom, even though he's not going to call it. Uh, so let's go over the stocks that we talked about on this episode if you're interested in checking out some of them. So we did talk about Chewy.com, C-H-W-Y, but only in relation to what was happening back in the late 1990s. And the marijuana companies we talked about, there's Aurora Cannabis, of course, ACB. Canopy Growth is CGC. We talked about GW Pharma, GWPH, and Innovative Industrial Properties is IIPR. And then the ETF is MJ, is just the ticker there. And the only reason they got listed, right, was because um, they were a different, they focused on like Latin America or something. And then they suddenly just switched like, hi, we're a marijuana ETF now. So they're out there, but you can get them under MJ. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Um, But as always, if you want to know what's going on with everything in investing, you want to subscribe to the Zach's Market Edge because I will have Dave back on to talk about the marijuana stocks and other things uh, going forward. So you don't want to miss a single episode. Be sure to get us on Apple Podcast, and you can also get us on SoundCloud. And of course, we're on Spotify and a whole bunch of other podcast sites. You can just subscribe on various ones these days, but be sure to get the Zach's Market Edge somewhere. And I'll be back again next week with some more stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.